Hello, I'm Kimberly Dondo, Digital Content Manager, and welcome to the In Conversation With series, a series where I speak to notable figures in the realm of financial services. Listen as they share their personal journeys, thoughts on the industry, and advice for aspiring advisors. Hello and welcome to In Conversation With. I'm Kimberly Dondo and today I'm joined by Karen Kapoor, Global Head of Regulatory and Risk Consulting at Delta Capita and Joe Twig, CEO at Aveni. So thank you both for joining me today. Um, so uh, shall we start with Karen, if you can give us more of a background on how you got started in financial services? Sure. Uh, sure, Kim. So, uh, I mean, I've been in financial services for the past 15 years. Um, mm-hmm. So I joined the industry um, as, a, as a graduate uh, trainee uh, a long, long time ago, um, longer than I care to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, around that time, um, there was lots of change happening within the financial services uh, domain in general, driven by um, the aftermath of the subprime crisis. Um, lots of action in, in the regulatory space, uh, which I found very interesting as it was bringing together lots of uh, operational business as well as technology inefficiencies and trying to solve that um, as, a, as, a, as a collective. And mm-hmm. and and working through those challenges, um, I got to where I got to now, and um, I look after our regulatory and risk consulting practice within Delta Capita globally. Okay, great. And um, Joe, I know that we had a bit of a conversation uh, before we started recording about how you started Venny, but if you could go over that again. Yeah, so by way of background, um, I've spent um, 15, 16 years in the financial services, largely in the wealth um, and investment management space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was prior to founding Aveni um, for around four years ago. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've always worked in strategy and risk type roles. Uh, laterally, I ran um, uh, strategy and uh, business management for Standard Life Investments um, globally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, met my co-founder um, uh, and chief scientist uh, uh, of any. And the rest is is history. So we've been delivering uh, products into the financial services for the last three or four years. Okay, fantastic. So um, I guess you guys are um, aware of, as many financial advisors are, of uh, consumer duty, which will be coming in sh- quite soon. Uh, the deadline is slowly creeping up or quickly creeping up, <laughs> depending on how prepared they are. Um, but how can um, financial advisory firms navigate the challenges that are posed by the consumer duty? So, yeah, I mean, from, um, you know, we've we've been working with different businesses on uh, consumer duty. We've recently partnered uh, with Delta Capita on the uh, 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 on consumer duty and, um, you know, I, potentially reframe the question to start with the challenges and opportunities that consumer duty yeah. that consumer duty prevents i think so far um it's been largely about the challenges of capturing information defining what good outcomes are def- defining harm and really articulating value 
think in the financial advice space, that's that's actually quite interesting. If you think, you know, how do you define the value of an ad valorem fee structure for ongoing service? It's really interesting. You know, the, there is the, 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 a, a, a negative correlation between um, the value uh, to the advisor and the wealth of the client, and that's quite a rare thing. So defining these things has been the primary challenge to date. I think mm-hmm. companies are, are reorienting their, their thinking towards how they demonstrate compliance, and that's all about data. So how do you capture um, those definitions, and how do you ensure that what you say you do, you actually do when you're out speaking to customers? So converting customer interactions into data um, and then being able to demonstrate to the regulator that good outcomes are being achieved and um, harm is being avoided. Um, quite a complex challenge, I think, um, uh, for, for companies to get to get their heads around. And there's obviously a, a degree of proportionality that needs to be taken into account here. Um, if you're a one-person advice firm with 100 clients, the chances are you know your clients pretty well. You know their products, you know their services, you know how their circumstances change over time. Mm -hmm. If you're a company of 400 advisors with 10,000 clients, you need systems and processes um, to to get that validation, the governance and oversight required uh, to demonstrate outcomes to to the regulator. So different challenges for different sizes of organizations, but I think we're stepping into this phase now where it's all about um, demonstrating uh, compliance and capitalizing on opportunity. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would add to what, what Joe said as well is, is I think um, th- instead of looking at consumer duty as a challenge or as another regulation, I think it's about um changing mindset and doing what is right for the consumer. Um, I think that's what the FCA um, has has indicated as well. I think all of us, contrary to popular belief, right, uh, within the financial services have got into this industry to help consumers. Um, yeah. You know, there's lots of bad press about people working in finance, but at the end of the day, it serves a purpose and it should serve the purpose in society. And consumer duty just underpins that kind of intent. Um Doing the right things by the consumer, making sure that we understand vulnerable consumers, support all different types of consumers that come from different stratas of society, capabilities, etc., is is paramount uh, to kind of like deliver the outcomes of consumer duty. And I think that mind shift change that we are trying to kind of like implement as a consulting firm and as a technology firm, um, I think is is the direction that the industry needs to kind of like start forward thinking and looking towards. And obviously, you know, com- companies like ourselves, Delta and Aveni are there to help them on that journey and mm-hmm. and, 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 and respond to the challenges um, or opportunities of doing this better. But at the end of the day, it's just about like doing the business with the right heart and with the right intent in mind. Right. Yeah. Um, and. Joe, you talked um, just now about, you know, um, you know, different sizes of uh, firms having to consider what their processes are um, and what that might look like for different sizes of firms. Um, So what are some other key considerations that firms might need to think about when they are implementing the consumer duty? Um. For me, 
uh, again, it, it, probably thinking about the sort of medium to to, to large firms here, it, it, it's all about um, data and automation. Mm-hmm. So I completely echo what um, Karen said. You know, the 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 overarching intention here is better outcomes for consumers. Um, the intention is not to increase the cost of compliance and create an additional burden for customers, uh, for, mm-hmm. for, uh, uh, for companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can you do both is, is, is the real question. So, you know, can you, can you utilize your data, introduce automation and really turn this into a value add exercise for the business where you can improve your margins as a business at the same time as improving the quality of service and improved outcomes for customers. And that is on the table. And that is the, mm-hmm. the key thing to remember here. This does not have to be um, a huge uh, burden. By complying in an effective way using data-driven assurance, you can you can obtain much better insight across your whole client bank, um, and you can turn that insight into better products, better services, a better informed executive team, um, and and improve across the board. This doesn't have to be be a sort of zero-sum game. So, yeah, I think I think um, uh, data and automation. To turn this into an opportunity, uh, turn this into an opportunity is is a key uh, uh, consideration for the medium uh, uh, to large firms. Not necessarily hearing that in every conversation that we have. I think mm-hmm. um, within financial advice, in particular, uh, as a vertical within financial services, we often hear the nature of advice getting to know your customers so well the fact finding process the ongoing service process puts advisors in a mindset that we already comply we know our customers really well but we spend a lot of time we charge quite a lot of money for our service but we spend a lot of time with them so we do more than a bank or an insurance firm in terms of getting to know our customers which is Probably true, but how can you demonstrate that? And how do you account for changing circumstances? How do you account for the fact that, you know, your average client tenure may be 25 years um, instead of one or two years for uh, an insurance client? So there are lots of things to consider here um, uh, in financial advice and and wealth management. Yeah. Uh, Is there anything you wanted to add to that, Karen? Um, Yeah, I think... uh, I think we've been working with a number of our clients on this, on the consumer duty uh, regulation over the past six to eight months now. And uh, the themes that we generally see um, across across the industry is, is how do we then start putting ourselves or how do financial advisors start putting themselves in their consumer shoes and really trying to understand how best they would like to utilize their products utilize their services and get the best out of them. So that kind of goes back from right from, you know, the experience of how the consumers interact with um, a firm, um, how they understand the products that they are being sold to. Um, Are we making it as easy as possible for consumers to really understand what they're buying and how they can make the best use of it? So I think the considerations um, uh, in addition to what Joe said are, are, across the entire 
business operations of every firm, right? From, you know, are we selling them the right things? Are we selling it to the right people? Um, are the right um, words and channels being used to distribute that information? And then how do we understand our consumers and how, and how they react to what we are trying to kind of like give them as products and services? And, and then again, collect the data points on an ongoing basis to continue to improve our services. So I think it's, it's, and that's where kind of like we've been helping clients bring all of those parts together and then using solutions, whether in automation, whether in data, whether in technology to try and accelerate and um, and, and improve the way that they, they, they go about their business. Uh, but we are seeing a lot of businesses actually looking at the way that they change or tweak um, the way they uh, think about uh, their business models and the way they kind of like think about experiences for the end consumer. So I think those considerations need to be all tied up um, to, I think, do the right thing and, and, and deliver consumability in the purest form that it is, in, in, it is intended. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and obviously we've seen an increase in people's interest when it comes to technology and how that can be incorporated within financial services, you know, outside of financial services, a lot of people are getting excited about, you know, new AI products that are out there that might simplify, you know, everyday tasks, but, um, what is your opinion and how um, technology solutions can help financial advisors to provide a better duty of care to their clients? Uh, I mean, Joe, I mean, Joe will have obviously a very detailed and insightful opinion on this topic. But mm -hmm. just from my perspective, like just to kind of frame the thing, I think technology is great, right? Um, mm -hmm. And the work that Joe and his team are doing in the space, uh, in the consumer duty space specifically, is 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 excellent. But what I've seen in my career over the past 15 years is technology is a double-edged sword, right? right. You, you need to make sure that you completely understand the benefits that any technology that you select are bringing to yourself. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you need to also understand how it fits in with your way of working. Uh, because many times we have this thing of, yeah, technology will come in and will solve all our problems. Uh, but that's that we've seen in ex by experience that that's, that's not always the case. So the business problem needs to be framed really specifically. And then a technology solution needs to be kind of like overlaid on that problem that allows you to address that particular problem rather than going the other way around. So you can't go technology and then frame a business problem around that. You've got to do it the right way around. And I think once you've understood what that problem is, where you're trying to go, and then start looking out for how a technology solution will best fit in is, is where the real benefits of any technology solution, AI, automation, et cetera, um, will kind of like, you know, yield its proper benefits. Right, right. Of course. Well, I mean, 100%. So, the, I mean, we, we, we try and frame that around, you know, and, and ensuring your um, systems, processes, and uh, approach to governance are effectively aligned for automation. So you have harmonized data. Mm -hmm. You uh, you are uh, your assurance is built on automatable layers. Um, if you're aligned for automation um, and you orient your assurance towards consumer outcomes, um, that means you can effectively um, use machine assessment to assess. 
um, how well you're doing uh, in terms of consumer duty compliance. And this is the the key thing for me. <clears throat> Moving into this era of data-driven assurance, you have to combine the breadth that you can obtain from machine assessment, so mm-hmm. natural language processing, assessing customer interactions, and the depth you can get from human experience. And having those, the combination of those two things um, is, is essential for uh, the future of um, uh, assurance in in a consumer duty world, but coming coming back to the the the, the point you made around essentially ChatGPT yeah. and what ChatGPT has done over the last four months, being the fastest growing you know tech release ever, mm-hmm. that's sort of that's injected the power of large language models and natural language processing into the consciousness of of of, of everyone mm-hmm. um and you know it will like the, the adoption of large language models in the workplace will fundamentally change the way that we all operate um on a daily basis it's moving it's moved uh, it's moving the the niche adoption of ai and natural language processing in things like cybersecurity and contact centers um it's, it, it's moving that from this tiny crossover in the in, in the Venn diagram to an AI first operating model, mm-hmm. where your first daily interaction will be with an AI, and what does that mean for financial advisors? What does that mean for cons- consumer duty? Um, essentially, it means that as we progress over the next few years of uh, adoption of this tech, um, all these points around automation um, will be solved. You will be able to access your data very easily via a nat- natural language uh, interface, uh, and you will be you will you know become materially more efficient um, and be able to manage your risk in a materially better way. Um, you know, turning this into an opportunity exercise rather than uh, you know a cost um, exercise. But these these things are here. Like, you know, we, we have products that we're just about to release that are GPT-powered uh, for advisors. You know, this is not a horizon yeah. um, thing anymore. You know, this technology is here now and, it, and, and it's usable. It's going to make a significant difference to the way companies operate. And do you, do you see that? being something that will be helpful for advisors when it comes to like their face-to-face interactions because i guess the fear some people might have is that some newer younger advisors might become too reliant on you know that automation and everything or do you think it will actually free them up to have the amount of face-to-face time that they need yeah i i mean i'd yeah, we, we obviously have this conversation um, quite a lot. And we have clients that record every single one of their face-to-face interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and the premise for that is they don't want to be taking notes. You know, they, they want to be focused on their clients, building relationships, building rapport, rather mm-hmm. than head down, scribbling uh, uh, notes away. That recording is processed through of any... And the output is a complete compliance assessment, you know, potential to um, automate uh, different parts of the the, the admin um, post-meeting. And so, again, it's the best of both worlds. And I think the, the price of not 
capturing meetings, um, I think is going to materially increase over the next six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. So if you can realize a productivity saving of 80 to 90 percent, reducing low value admin and automating compliance processes, um, is that worth the discomfort of telling your client that you want to record the meeting or not? Um, And and yeah, so we, we definitely see that as the direction of travel. Um, because the cost of not doing so is materially increasing. Um, Yeah, uh, and what we also see, which is an impact of the pandemic, um, we see much more of a hybrid setting where, you know, some companies will take their initial meeting face-to-face and then ongoing service all delivered by teams or Zoom um, via via video conference. And that enables um, the soft technology as well. So for me, it's all about the, 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 the primary value, I think, that lots of clients in the UK get from their financial ad- advisor is the relationship and is the trust um, that's built through that relationship that enables them to take material life choices. Um, so protecting that, I think, is really important. Um, so this technology will always, for me, in this in this setting, will always be a co-pilot. It'll always yeah. be human plus support the human to be more human. Just take away that low value administration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, likewise, I I don't see technology as an alternate to face to face interactions. It, it is a way to make those interactions more effective and efficient, right? So I think just to kind of give you an example, um, when you're speaking to somebody, one of the things that consumer duty has encouraged financial advisors to seek out is when people feel anxious, when people feel as if they're not in control of their lives. And some of sometimes those those kind of like hints are very subtle. And um, it might not always get picked up by a human being uh, because all of us kind of go through different days in our lives. Sometimes we are more clued in, sometimes we are not. Mm-hmm. And and just having a human plus or a technology um, element that is supporting you in those conversations just makes you that much more clued in to the conversation itself. And once you understand and once you pick those things up, it allows you to do your you know, carry out your duties against the regulation or any other kind of duties in in a more kind of you know knowledgeable and informed manner. So for me, it's technology enabling those face to face interactions as opposed to replacing it. Yeah, uh, I think this. I think that's absolutely spot on. And as a sort of a, a bit of an example, there, you know, um, there are there are there are words and phrases we all say. Mm-hmm. that we don't realize that we're saying and i think in the most part that's sort of fine it's just the way people speak in a consumer duty setting it can have implications so you know if we've picked up that you've said the phrase you know as an advisor um when you're talking about delicate things you know pricing um compound interest whatever it is um and you're constantly saying you know you know you know um, mm. that can influence the understanding of the customer because they might yeah. feel pressure just to say yep 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 oh yeah and saying that multiple times is it could be a little bit of a, a little bit of a problem it 
obviously it might not be a problem uh, at the same time, but it's things like that we do subconsciously that they, that machines just don't miss. Um, and actually, these are just little training nudges. It's not a slap on the wrist. It's self-serve performance management for an advisor. Looking, oh, I didn't realise that I said that so much. Yeah. Consciously try not to say it, especially in these parts of the conversations. And that introduces this continuous improvement mm-hmm. um, and and doing that on a self-serve basis, which is which is not a um, you know top-down pressure from management. It's just advisors wanting to be better for their customers. Okay. Yeah, that makes complete sense to me. Um, and so I guess finally, um, I'll ask you both how. How can advisors stay up to date on developments related to the consumer duty and other regulatory changes? I'm sure, you know, technology will have a place to play in that as well. Well, I mean, there is, and I'm sure Karen is going to say exactly the same thing here. There is a plethora of information out there. Yeah. Um, You know, it's been such a hot topic for the last nine months. There are, there are, many good sources um mm-hmm. but i think one of the primary challenges that um the non-executives responsible for implementation senior management teams have is they don't know whether what they're doing is sufficient yeah. or worse than their than their peer group um and i think at, at least at this stage for the next you know 12 18 months until uh, we start to get homogenized approaches driven via regulatory feedback dealing with trusted consultancy partners like delta um that can bring insight from uh, others i think is in- incredibly valuable um yeah i think every um just to uh, add to what joe said as well as every um Every industry and every job role comes with a certain element of, you know, staying up to date with the market mm. and, and financial services is no different um, to the extent that sometimes financial services, people who work it within the financial services need to be very, very abreast with what's going on from a regulatory perspective, because that becomes kind of like business limiting if you get that wrong. Mm. Um there's a lot of information out there. Um, there are lots of kind of technology products there that can, you know, deliver that information to you in a targeted way as well. Some of some of those products that we we work with and we have um, um, helped clients adopt. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it is just kind of like having where I think it becomes a little bit um, unclear sometimes is when a new regulation comes out um, and the entire industry is trying to grapple with what that actually means. Um, it's that point of how do we, that's where companies like us come together and create those kind that kind of a community, um, community around that problem by, by hosting, you know, webinars and by hosting breakfast sessions. Uh, so we can bring different people together um, and just talk about the same problem. Uh, because at the end of the day, we are all in this together. Uh, there is, there is no one doing regulation better than the other. You are either doing the regulation or you're not complying by with the regulation, right? So there's no way of I comply more than you. Um, mm-hmm. It's it, So why, why do we need to solve that problem together? So at Delta, we are a big kind of like, 
like a supporter of the fact that we are in this together. Let's make a community around any kind of like different uh, a new regulation or 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 a or a, or, a, or a rule that's come out in the market and try to solve that together. And I think yeah. that's where we, I mean, Aveni and, and Delta joined hands to do that webinar to kind of like educate um, the industry. And, and we'll continue to do that um, for any any new or revised rules that are published by the FCA or any other regulators that we follow. Well, that's fantastic. Um, well, I guess uh, we'll wrap it up here, but I'm sure we'll still be talking about consumer duty as and when it's implemented. And maybe we'll be back to have a check-in to see, you know, like in the 12 to 18 months that you were talking about, Joe, uh, how people have settled in with it and how that's looking as well from your side, Karen. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, because right now we're just kind of seeing people saying, well... I am prepared for it, I think, or I'm not prepared for it at all. We sent out a poll where we were quite surprised at the amount of people that actually hadn't started doing anything. But I don't know if that's because they're certain that they're fine. Um, But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Very interesting to see. I think um, it's going to be quite, as the consumer duty rules go live and people start uh, seeing how that works in practice, uh, Mm -hmm. there will be a lot of lot of firms that will kind of like revisit the implementation. I mean, just just last to wrap this call up is give you a last example. We were working with a client defining the training um, for their client facing staff um, and mm-hmm. the things that they need to keep be on the lookout for when they're talking to and having face-to-face or telephone conversations and some things you would just not even think about right i mean you ask somebody how how are you at the beginning of a call and somebody says oh you know what i haven't slept that well over the last few days um and then you would just brush that off and go into an into a conversation yeah. right because okay fine i've you've had a stressful time i have not slept either whatever but those things are the ones that kind of like need to um, you know, con- uh, financial advisors start need to picking up because that can indicate uh, things that consumer duty wants you to pick up and try and find ways to support your consumer. So, so lots of these nuances will develop over the course mm. of the next 12 to 18 months. Will be very interesting to understand how the market in general reacts to it. So, we'll definitely hear more of this topic. Is very interesting. Um, so thank you again uh, for speaking with me today. And I really hope that our listeners enjoyed it. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Kim. Thank you for listening to In Conversation With. We do hope that you enjoyed it. Please do keep up to date with all our new releases via Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your podcasts from. You can also keep up to date with all our new content published on the Money Marketing website, as well as our print edition, Money Marketing Magazine. So make sure to subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. See you next time.